Hi, thank you for being here today to listen to this really special episode about home birth in Finland. I have the absolute pleasure of introducing you to Ria Malva, a home birth midwife. I will be asking Ria all the questions that parents want to know when considering the option of a home birth in Finland. From worries about what happens if a transfer to the hospital is needed, to how much home birth might cost. We got into the different worries and concerns that parents have, including the mess at home, the safety of a home birth, the tools that Ria brings with her to the birth, having a backup midwife, and so much more. I hope that this episode helps you gain more information about this very legal and real choice that you have of a home birth in Finland. Before we jump in, I'd like to add a little trigger warning to this episode. And this is because towards the middle of the episode, Ria shares a story of one of her clients who experienced sexual trauma. She talked about how the trauma was brought up while her client was giving birth. It's quite a healing story, yet please note that it is in there. This episode was recorded while Ria was in my home, so we used slightly different recording tool this time, and you may be able to hear that in the quality of the episode, but we had so much great content that I hope you will enjoy it nonetheless. So, let's get started. Welcome to the Birthing in Finland podcast, brought to you by the Nest Doulas. I'm Danielle Bensky, a mother and postpartum doula specializing in maternal well-being and psychology. Each episode, you'll hear eye-opening interviews with some amazing people who support families in Finland just like yours. We'll help you navigate what it means to birth in Finland, growing your confidence on your parenting journey. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into our daily dose of birthing in Finland. Hello and welcome back to the show and to this very special episode with Ria Malva, who is here with me today on my dining room table. How exciting to do this recording face-to-face with you. Welcome. I have so many questions about home birth in Finland, but before we jump into that really incredible and interesting topic, Share with our listeners a bit about yourself and how did you get to be a midwife and a home birth midwife specifically? My journey starts 13 years ago. That's when I got pregnant with my first child. And I went to library. Like at that time, that was the place to search for information. <laughs> so I went to library and I borrowed so many books about birth. And while I was reading them, I just got so fascinated. It, it was completely new world and I just wanted to know more. So then, while being pregnant, I decided I want to have a home birth and I want to be a midwife. So I applied to study midwifery while I was pregnant. And that was basically how I started my studies with my own home birth with my son. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. And how did that continue? Well, then, of course, as the home birth was my first touch to to my own home birth was the first touch to this whole birth birthing world it really colored my my studies and my journey to become a midwife it, it has been always present for me that this is this is my thing <laughs> this is where i go yeah 
You had a little trip also to Mexico as part of your journey. I would really be interested to hear about that and why you went there and what did you bring back with you to Finland? Yeah, it was very clear during my studies that as homebirds are very marginalized in Finland, it is very difficult to to become a home birth midwife in Finland, uh, to, to get experience. So I wanted during my studies to to also work with a home birth midwife. So I, I went and had this exchange three months in, in Mexico with this traditional midwife. Her history is that she's from a lineage of midwives, her mother and grandmother and their midwives. So, so she really carries this these old traditions and I feel that through that through through working with her I really got in touch with the with the soul of midwifery that is I feel that it it's hard to to catch it throughout the studies in in Finland or through working in hospitals in Finland as a midwife so Before I went to Mexico, I was thinking that, okay, I will work in hospitals when I graduate. But after having the experience in Mexico, I realized that it's such a different world working with home births than in hospital that I, I will just dive into the home births right away. Yeah, that was more right for you. Yeah. And I appreciate that, you know, that knowing. And of course, there are the midwives who love the hospital system and, and that's great. But I think in a way, not to criticize anybody, but just as the system has evolved the midwives who are working in the hospital are becoming further and further the job title and the job role is going further and further away from what authentic midwifery was being with women yes and that's a little bit uh, unfortunate in a way and that's all about the medicalization of birth and industrialization and taking women out of their home into the hospital where gives us the feeling that birth is a medical event when actually it isn't and it's confusing because it's at a hospital so yes. it's giving these messages and that was actually i had one one very specific occasion there in mexico that really hit me in this uh, i would really be happy to share it if, if you want to hear please so we had this very young mother coming to to give birth and helena who is this midwife she had this birthing house so she came there with her parents and and it was very like she was very nervous it was very clear to see that it's it's difficult for her to surrender to the process and i was there with this danish midwife we're trying to support her giving her massage giving her space to express her fears or anything that there is but we were not really able to to support her in a way that she would have relaxed So then Angelina came, she she brought cacao. She was very often making cacao for the for the women who were giving birth. And then this birthing woman, woman she was lying on the bed and, and she came just to caress her face and asking like, like, do you have any lullaby for the baby yet? And this one was like, no, not really. And then Angelina started to sing some traditional Mexican lullaby and just caressing her hair. And, and at the same time, we were still giving massage with this Danish midwife and we could feel how her like whole body just relaxed and there were tears coming, just listening mm. to that lullaby. And then like after that, the birth just like really started and the baby was soon born. Wow. 
and 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 that kind of encounters it, it's it's almost impossible to to do that in hospitals where yeah. it's it's you don't know mm. you don't know know each other you yeah. don't have any relationship with together there's not enough trust to really open on 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 such a vulnerable mm-hmm. level and there's no time yeah also because there are other birthing people to be attended to and there's shifts and the shift is changing after eight hours or so so the nature of that system doesn't really really allow for that so i'm happy that midwives like you also exist because i always say choice is so important yes. and when we have choice as people, as women, that's where we have freedom in a way. And I wish that there will be more support for home birth so that more people would genuinely have that honest choice to, to give. But I'm grateful for you, your work, and also the other midwives' work so that, as I said, women can have choice. Yes. Anything else about your journey or should we dive into the... <laughs> Well, I guess that's that's all. Thirteen years yeah. in this field, still right. learning, and we'll learn more of the fifty years coming. And and I have two kids, both. I have been given birth at home. Great, great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let's go into the topic about home birth safety. A really popular question from many parents who are maybe considering a home birth. How do you help people work through that fear or understand that home birth can actually be as safe as a hospital birth in some situations? And just to talk about home birth in a way that isn't surrounded by fear. I totally understand people having concerns about the safety. And that was exactly my thought 15 years ago when I didn't have any touch of this this thing my thought was like only crazy people give birth at home like it's not safe why would you do that so that is that is very present in our culture and then again it's very different in in countries where home births are more present and they're part of public health care so that's the first thing i want to say like i know that space of feeling that's there's no point to give birth at home (laughs) and what change my perception and what usually changes the perception of people is both understanding the logic. Why would anybody want to give birth at home? And then again, reading studies, like looking at the numbers. How is it safe? Mm-hmm. Because we have very big studies in Europe with 50,000 births or with 500,000 births. So there are really big studies. We can see the differences. We can see the, the, the safety. And if anybody wants to look at them more, I have, I have written a review of those, the most mm. important European studies on my website. It's, it's in Finnish, unfortunately, but like the links, of course, are to studies that are in English. So that might help to understand or to, yeah, to understand what is the safety in home birth mm. through the studies. And it's good to know that there's such research even out there. Yeah. I think some people are not aware that maybe there's research done about this topic in the first place. So that's really great to know that if you are hesitating and you are a, like a numbers person and that helps you make your decision, then there is stuff about this as well. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and what got me into the home births was when I was reading the books and I understood how delicate the whole birth process is and how little we actually know about it yet and how sensitive 
yeah, if, if we if you look at the animals, how they give birth, they want to hide, they want to go to safe place where nobody is disturbing them. Because if there is some disturbance, if there is some stress hormones coming, it affects the birth. So just realizing that, how just getting out of the safe space, getting out of the home is already disturbing the birth for most women. So kind of like getting that, actually the safest way to give birth is when it's as undisturbed as it, as it can be, mm-hmm. so that the, the evolution of millions of years can really play out as it should. Yeah. How about people who are saying that I feel safer in the hospital? Do you feel like that is, can be true? Like, or does the body know something else that the brain doesn't? I think that like that is really true that the, the mind for some people mind can re- really relax in hospital because they can trust okay these people will take care of me anything happens they will care take care of me but for the animal the smells are different the like I would say that always like on a, a nervous system level we do react when we come to a new place when there are new people there there is some Im- impact but yes we can through through our minds and thinking we can have an it can have an effect how how big is the reaction really do you do any kind of this education uh, in your work as well either with people who have already become your clients or people who are maybe interested or do you offer any kind of childbirth education to talk about physiology and why a home birth could be matching with the way we give birth as a mammal more than a hospital perhaps Well, actually, this far, I haven't had really these childbirth education classes because there are so many goods already provided. So I don't feel like I need to do it. Yeah. I I did have, like, for example, two years ago, we had this retreat, like, for pregnant women. And I really enjoy that because for me, I, yeah, it's good to give information and, like, data. But I really also enjoy helping people to get more in touch with their body and breathing and more like through experiences so for that sense the retreat was really nice yeah we were speaking with our nest doulas about how yoga is great and dance is great for for preparation for birth and actually it is birth preparation to do these things and one of our colleagues said that actually anything that is body work is preparation for birth and that's that was such a good summary of, of that because we talk about childbirth preparation classes as in like cognitively learning about birth, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. And I can really relate to that because when I was preparing also for my first birth, it was very cognitive. It's one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to a potential second baby sometime in the future because I know that now I have that knowledge and now my preparation can be a lot more body yes. focused. But where was I going with this? <laughs> that I suppose that people who have come to you already, have done this education. Would that be a, a good assumption? Yes. yes. Yeah. It is people who choose home birth in Finland have been educating themselves. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I, I sometimes say that I really get this, like, high quality. Special, <laughs> a different. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, they're very motivated and they really want to search and, and learn and, and do their best so that they yeah. don't get... Yeah. And I find that there are different kinds of birthing people, obviously. it's I mean, People are different, so of course, <laughs> birthing people are different too. That 
there are some people who are very happy to just say, I'm not willing to take responsibility for my birth and I'm happy to give this responsibility to somebody else. And they may have a beautiful birth or in that situation they may leave the birth feeling like somebody else had responsibility and it didn't turn out the way they want and they may feel really sad about that. Or there are also these people who are maybe willing to take more responsibility and be more eager to learn about birth and what this means and the life-changing events that can happen through that. And I think when you are willing to take that responsibility, you're actually taking the first step in parenthood yes. because birth is really kind of the first act of parenting. Making that decision for you and your baby is the first time out of thousands of decisions you will be making in the future. And that confrontation can be hard for some people to, to take ownership of that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I also, like, my wish is that there will be more discussion about the potential of the birth as, like, as process of empowerment and also process of transformation. And it is, especially when it's the first child, it's a huge change from maiden to mother. Yeah. And... And to really take that as, like, yeah, to, to really grab the potential of, of the birth to really transform, yeah, through the transformation to, to become a mother who is strong and capable and, and feels her own power. And as you said, like, when you were in Mexico, you saw this maybe happening more. And I think in these traditional cultures, there was this knowledge that, It's a rite of passage that needs to be attended to and ceremonies and rituals around. And I think they existed in Europe, but somehow in the last 200 years of, of uh, the, the, the patriarchy and with church effects, and then yes. yeah, all these other processes that, that we have had in, in, our, in our society that have made it so that industrialism, yeah. <laughs> industrialism has kind of erased all of these traditions, unfortunately. And given motherhood a very different value than it had before, perhaps. Yes, and, and given the birth very different value. Like, for example, in Finland, it has been the, the women's power, the, the pussy power, like that's how it has been called. We don't back here. Pussy power. <laughs> it has had, that's cool. It, 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 like, the, traditionally, it has, seen, it has been seen that it, it, it is most powerful. It's, it has bigger power than bears. Like, that was a way to to get the bears to be afraid. You, the women would show their pussy to the bears and the bears would run because they would know that the pussy has bigger power than the bears. <laughs> but, but, so that's kind of like what, what is the base, that giving birth, creating new life, of course, that's like a huge power. And, and I would argue, and I'm not that much of a conspiracy theorist, but this I do believe, that through the patriarchy, it has been a way to increase the power of men Yeah. And take away from the power of women. And we see it in history with the witch hunt. Yes. People were afraid that women had more power. Yes. So by, I, I really believe this, that women who are having births in which they leave them feeling broken and weak helps strengthen the patriarchy. Mm. Yes. Because if all women in this world could have empowering births like you have seen, this will be a different world. Yes. And there is something out there that doesn't want that to happen. Mm. <laughs> yes, and I, I, don't, I don't actually think that it's any, anything active, like that somebody would be against right. women, but it's more like the, the culture we're in, we're feeding this broken system through our culture. I mean, that's, I would actually want to again tell one story that really 
<laughs> that was very powerful for me to witness. Yes. I have permission from this client to share this story. Um, it was a home birth here in Finland where I was a midwife. And before the birth, she was sharing that she has this um, sexual trauma in her history. And that it is present in her, in her life now because they are there is inspections going, going on. At, at this moment, like it's like 15, 20 years later, but it is now, yeah, going to the courts. So she just wanted to share in case it will be somehow affecting the birth. Yes. And actually, when like when the pushing stage started, when the when she started to feel the baby crowning, she 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 remembered the feelings of the sexual assault that she had experienced. And and her reaction was like, okay, stop! I cannot do it. This is too much. I cannot do it. And we were witnessing her, and and she was in the pool. She was in a safe space. We were just giving her a few encouraging words, but she actually just she didn't need us there. But the the contractions stopped for a moment while she was there, and then she found she was eyes closed, and she found the space where in herself she was like, no, actually, right now I'm safe. Mm. Everything is fine. I'm safe and it's okay. And then the contraction started again and then she pushed her baby out and, and mm. got the baby in her arms. And afterwards she she told us like before the birth she was still unsure with the whole court thing and has she done everything right? What do I, has she said everything right? But after the birth she was like, No, I haven't done anything wrong and I'm going for this. Like really this like powerful, like Yes, I'm protecting myself now, and I'm like I'm going for the justice, and, mm. and really like this empowerment that mm. I can feel from her afterwards. I was just like wow, and it was so magical moment just to witness. Like I was just sitting in quiet, witnessing her in the pool, pushing her baby out, and just like in awe that this is what yeah. I can witness. Yeah, it sounds like she really had a sense of inner knowing afterwards. She just had this knowing yeah. that that this is what she stands for and what she what she is about. Yeah. That's that's the power of birth. Yes, and that's that that's kind of like what we were just talking like if all the women would feel this this kind of empowerment that I get to witness how differently they would act, how differently they would choose, how differently they would go for their rights. Yeah. In this this society. Yeah. So I yes, this is why reason why I do this work. For, because I, I, I love to witness the, the power that women carry and it's so very rare occasions where there is really space for that to be seen and how much I witness the partners being after the birth like oh my god like I was honoring you before this but now I fucking honor you like you're amazing <laughs> <laughs> that's like, incredible so yes yeah do you have any of the statistics that you would want to to bring in about what is the research saying um, about the safety of home birth? Yeah, I, I would encourage people to go and see, like, and especially like studies from Europe. The studies from the United States, they're very different. They're, the system is different. The healthcare is different. The education of midwives is different. So that's why I'm referring just to studies in Europe. Well, what we know there's in in UK the home births are part of public healthcare, so they study the the home births there, and um, they found that there's for new time mothers like for when when it's not the first child 
the the safety for home birth is is the same for the baby and for mother it's actually even more safe because there's less c-sections there's less bigger hemorrhages so in if 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 the mother is healthy and the pregnancy is healthy then they actually recommend home birth when it's not the first time mother well the first time mothers they saw that there is slightly different that that home birth is not as safe as, as hospital birth for the babies. And then again in in Netherlands where the home births are also part of public healthcare, they made a study where there was almost five hundred thousand births, home births. So there they found no difference with the the effects. Like the, it's it's a safe for the for the babies and the mothers. And again there's less yeah, there's less complications basically at home births. There's less interventions and complications that are related to them. And in the Netherlands, it was no difference for the first-time mom and the yeah. consecutive? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, thank you for bringing that. And again, people really are encouraged to, to go and have a look at what this has to say. And I really believe that evidence-based decisions, informed decisions, are really important for guiding people's choices in, in the birth space. And it's also good to say a little bit that sometimes decisions that we would think are evidence-based can be not evidence-based. And I think that's a really important thing to say, that when you come into a system, please question things, or at least we encourage you to question things. And that may be the first time you hear something like this, because it's not something health professionals will say. But I'm going to say it, that please do question things, because... You'll be surprised that some things that people are doing are not evidence-based. And it's great if you can bring that into your birth and, and understand the evidence. And there's Evidence-Based Birth, which is a fantastic website, really one of a kind um, in the world, which makes evidence really digestible for parents and professionals as well. And I always suggest, ask, okay, why do you suggest this for me? What are the risks? What are the options? And give me time to think yeah like if it's not emergency there's always time to think yeah if, if they are suggesting induction you can say like okay i want to go home and think about this i'll come back like if it's not emergency it's okay to take time to think and research and ask maybe from somebody else some other health professional like what do you think yeah. because it's when it's about body there's very rarely like okay i'm very rarely the healthcare professional can say, like, I'm 100% sure this is the right choice for you. It's always, like, balancing different kind of options and risks. And, okay, we can see in, like, bigger populations, we can see that this could be maybe the best choice, but nobody knows what is exactly for you, for your body, for your baby, the best choice. Nobody can say, okay, I'm 100% sure this is the best. Yeah. And that can be overwhelming yeah. to take that responsibility again to make that choice, to take that responsibility over yourself and, and your baby. I, I really understand that. And at the same time, when we don't, we risk that feeling of regret and the feeling of feeling like somebody had done something to you, mm. which is similar to an assault. Yes. Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, with, with the sexual assault, for example, it is the same body parts, it's the same hormones, it's a very similar thing, and that's why we see quite a few women in our medical system maternity system leaving birth feeling assaulted or traumatized because maybe things didn't happen with their consent or at least with their involvement or they didn't feel like it 
was their decision yes at the time and for this because this is really one topic that is very like <laughs> that i love i'm also i'm studying psych studying psychotherapy and trauma work is really like something that oh, i i'm exploring now more and more and diving deeper and i want to like because for a long time there were this thought okay there is this survival mechanism of like fights and flights and freeze and now we know that there's also fawning which is very often especially women have what and, is that this is a new term for me um so it can be like when there's feeling okay i need to survive like where when fight or flight can kick in like these very primal mechanisms there's also fawning which is kind of like being nice being um being, being obedient okay the so, good girl syndrome yes so so in a way like i think many of us know like when you go and see a doctor you yes there is they are bigger they're having this cold it's, it's this authority figure when you go to hospital it's not your space no so it, it is actually very difficult to say no yes especially <laughs> if, if it's very like the other is putting very clear okay we should do this yeah to say in that space no it's it's very difficult and especially yeah, if you have tendency to go into this fawning reaction, then it, it is even more difficult. Of and then there is this, afterwards, there can be this feel of guilt, like why I didn't say no, why I didn't stand for myself. And um, yeah, I really feel those people because it is just really hard. Also for me, like if I would, would for some reason be in hospital I just know that it would be very yeah. difficult for me to stand for myself yeah. in that space and we are also societally like groomed for that reaction mm -hmm. yes and in our pregnancy we are groomed towards that and Rachel Reed talks about this in her book or in many things but also in her book reclaiming childbirth as a rite of passage is the name of the book yeah that that we are really kind of being taught to to be obedient in a way and yes. not to trust ourselves and to trust somebody external. Even if it's, I saw an Instagram post last week about doing a, a home pregnancy test. Like, why do you need the confirmation from a stick that you are pregnant? Yeah. This kind of external, sorry, external validation yes. to things that are happening in our body. But that's that's like that has huge history and it's it's in our culture. It's the water yes. we drink. Yes. I like that. The water we drink. <laughs> that's great. It's the air we breathe. The water uh, we breathe. Yeah, yeah. So dismantling really big concepts, but yes. I think by by talking about it, we touch the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, because yes, we don't give birth out of this culture we give birth within this culture so everything in our culture has on has its effects on how we give birth absolutely uh to kind of continue from the safety topic maybe you can explain like who are the people who you would be willing or that usually midwives are willing to take on for a home birth would you take on anybody as a home birth or are there criteria how does that go well, first of all, I need to say, like, that's because sometimes it's a question, like, is it legal to give birth at home? And yes, it is very legal. <laughs> you can give birth wherever you want. So it, that's the first thing to, to be clear of. And of course, as midwives, we want to work in births that, that are safe. It is our priority to keep things safe. So 
And after that, it's it's because we don't have any specific rules from the government, like who who we are, we are allowed to serve and who not. So it's up to us midwives who who we feel that okay, my competence is enough for this. Like for example, I wouldn't go to breech birth or twin birth because I don't have experiences for that. From those, I cannot promise that I'll it will be safe to have those at home with me. Yeah. So it's about the competence, okay, what is my my experience? And also it is a lot to do about trust. I need to feel with the family, like okay, together we can climb Mount Everest, because that is basically what it is. I put myself totally in my work. It's if something happens, I carry it too. So I need to have the trust with the family and also that they tell me the, the truth about their the, the the health of previous um, previous health and now during this pregnancy and of course there are like certain like medical things that's yeah so basically it should be healthy normal pregnancy and her healthy woman giving birth but for example like with this gestational diabetes yes it's not so simple like um, and and that that will be like another discussion, like how it's diagnosed in Finland and uh, is it really a problem or not? <laughs> so with with that kind of things, I'm not so black and white. Or if it's if the birth starts at forty two plus one, like I'm not that um, black and white with the with the overdates. So yes, I do have some kind of structure. I have on my website the reasons why why there would be need to transfer to hospital even before mm. the birth starts or during the labor. So, yeah, there are certain rules, but it's it's always so, like, individual. I need to look at things individually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I was giving birth, because I had my baby in Amsterdam, and this is, as you mentioned, the Netherlands has uh, home birth as part of the public healthcare system. It's just another choice, yes. as I said. And for them, though, what they would like is that you can be taken out of your home, like, by a, a window. <laughs> that somehow there's, like, a window that opens that you can take the woman out. Because in the Netherlands, and in Amsterdam specifically, the stairs are crazy. I don't know if you have seen that. <laughs> so this is, like, one criteria. Either that you live on the ground floor, or that there is, like, some window that can... <laughs> You can be taken out of if you need a hospital transfer. Wow, that's new. quite unique, right? <laughs> I lived on the ground floor, though. <laughs> For us, it was okay. <laughs> but yeah, the stairs are like really, how do you say, um, steep. Mm. But that is, of course, I also discussed with the families. Okay, there might be need for transfer. How far do you live from hospital? Is it safe to live like in the woods, or? Um, so like or how do you get out from this house yes i do consider this also yeah i do yeah. not think about the windows that much more about the doors and stairs. <laughs> uh we mentioned a little bit about situations of transferring to hospital you said that you have stuff on your website but mm-hmm. could you tell a little bit what are some of the situations that a transfer would be needed and also how quickly do you see a need for transfer because I think a lot of people have this picture of birth from Hollywood, which is obviously not representative of real birth, especially physiologic birth, that we see things happening as an emergency, like within one second, it's an emergency. And within one second, something terrible is happening. 
But is that really the case? Well, first of all, like we can look at the statistics. So for new time mothers, the transfer, uh, like usually it's, or in, in different kind of studies, they see like one third of new, when it's the first birth, need to be transferred either during it, during labor or after. And when it's not the first or, yeah, when it's not the first birth, then it's around 10%. Hmm. So, and most of those transfers are like non-urgent. Basically, like, basically half of them are because of long labor or, yeah, long labor, the, the mother gets tired, maybe wants some medica- medication or the uterus gets tired, There's the contractions are not so strong anymore, and then the mother cannot really rest at home, maybe she needs some medication so she can rest. And sometimes it is also, we can see that the fetus is getting tired because of the long birth. So that is also one reason to transfer to hospital if we start to notice in the heart rate of the baby some changes that would could mean that the baby is tired. So from the transfers, like from the births, around 4% need emergency transfer. And usually those are related um, that the fetus is like the heart rate really went bad quickly. Or when the baby is born, it needs some support with the breathing. Or there's hemorrhage after the breathing. Uh, breathing <laughs> birth. After the birth, there's hemorrhage. So those are most common emergency transfers. Mm-hmm. And also with the emergency transfers, this is also my experience. Even we transfer to hospital, it's very rare that they, then there's actually medical care needed immediately. Mm-hmm. So even there's emergency transfer, usually the, the, the situation is stable. So, so very rarely there's actually need to really rush the woman or rush the baby to hospital care. In my experience in Finland, it, it has worked well. Like I have had few occasions where I have needed to call an ambulance and they have arrived quickly and the, the collaboration has been good. And yeah, and usually they prefer to have me on board, especially if, if the mother is still on labor, they, they prefer to have midwife <laughs> like present there. And that's how it usually happens. When the, if there's a transfer, I usually go along and then And then I just be as a doula at the, at the hospital. I cannot work as a midwife there anymore, but as a as a support person, yes. I wonder how that is for you. That's maybe a whole different discussion. Attending a birth with another midwife as a midwife. If you cannot be a midwife anymore, you have to take a step back and just be the role of the doula. Yeah. Is that frustrating at times? Um, well, actually, I would say that not anymore that much. I feel like the experiences I've had now have been very good. Yes, and the transfers have been smooth. And I feel that there is like good collaboration with the hospital. That's good. That was going to be my next question. Like, what happens when there is a transfer and how does the hospital react? And, you know, I think a lot of people can be fearful because of this fear of, of, of home birth and the stigma of home birth that when you go into the hospital, maybe the hospital staff will not be welcoming to you. And in some countries, this does happen, that you come home to the hospital and they say, oh, you wanted to give home birth, so we're not going to help you now. You didn't You didn't want us in the beginning, so why should we help you now? No, I like, have to say, in Finland, the doors are always open. And it's more like, please come, please don't stay at home. <laughs> well, that's reassuring. <laughs> yes. 
So, and and my in my experiences, the families have been welcomed. Like, well, there hasn't been any judgments. So, like nothing. That's good. Judgment. And it's nice that you do continue with them, because there is something so important about the continuity of care that you know you know the family for months before the birth, and you've been with them now at this birth for I don't know how long it may have been, and so to. For you to continue at the hospital, even as a doula, your familiar face there means so much. So yes. that's really important. And it really helps because then they can trust. Because usually there is some in- interventions needed and I can support them to navigate those. Yeah, yeah. Asking then, the questions yes. about the yes. benefits and risks maybe and getting informed yes. choice and informed consent. Yeah. Another question I think many parents have is the messiness of birth. Um, people I've heard are worried about, you know, if the birth is at home, what do I do with blood, <laughs> maybe, or the mess? So how do you help parents cope with this, or, or what do you say, and how do you take care of that at a home birth? Yeah, that's actually quite a common question from the partners, that they think, like, okay, is there going to be some disaster with the pool breaking and the water is just, like, filling the whole apartment? We have never had that happen, so like, that's it's more concerning. Is there enough hot water for the pool? So, like, that's actually better or more important question there. But yes, most of my clients want to give birth in the pool, so that is very easy. Most of the blood is there. When they get up, they usually like to go to shower, and then we empty the the water with the, with the hose. No, no, like, no splashes, nothing there. So usually there is, in the end, there's one garbage bag and maybe three to six dirty towels and that's all. Yeah. So it is, sometimes, yeah, we, there's more mess, but usually it's very little in yeah. the end. And we midwives, we always help to clean afterwards. Yes, so you don't just say, oh, baby's here, I'm gone now. No, no. <laughs> Deal with it yourself. Yeah, we usually stay for like three or four hours after the birth to see that the situation is stable, the breastfeeding is good, and also with the cleaning. Yeah, yeah. Eating something. Yes. This was something I had kind of like, wasn't aware of. They asked me, so what do you want to eat after birth? As I said, I had a home birth, and I was like, oh, I'm not sure. (laughs) And my doula was there. What about porridge? I said, porridge is good. She said, okay, I'll go buy some. So she was so sweet, and she went, I had nothing at home for that. So now I always say to moms, like, Prepare food that you want to have for after the birth. Yes. <laughs> I forgot to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not that much that you really need to prepare for birth. You need diapers for the baby, you need some pads for the afterbleed, and you need food. Yeah, yeah the food. <laughs> like... And the pool, I wanted to ask, would you bring a pool, or is that something people can hire from you, or do they have to do that somewhere else? The birthing I, pool. I bring it. I have four pools, so I bring the pool. You bring. And I suppose you have, like disposable yes, pool liners and stuff and the hose and, yes the pump yes all of it <laughs> that's good yeah so people don't have to worry about that great um maybe now i'm just thinking about this other question that came to mind like how do you manage the thing of being able to be with the person the full time i suppose it's kind of like a doula would that you have backup doula, um midwives or do you like take on only certain amount of clients in a month so that you don't overlap births how do you manage that maybe clients people are worried like how can I know that you won't leave me in the middle 
Well, I sometimes laugh that I'm my secretary is very efficient and very good <laughs> in her job. Somehow it always just it perfectly aligns. Yes, I'm I'm a single mother for two kids, so it, it is it is basically magic how it can happen that I, I can assist in home births. <laughs> I usually have two two or three births per month. So for some some reasons the birth don't overlap. Or when I had COVID, no babies wanted to be born. Or when I was traveling for my studies, they were waiting. So it's it's magical. And I, yes, I'm almost all the time on call. And if I plan some travels, I, I always tell the families beforehand. Yeah. Before we make the contract, so mm. they know. But it is magical. I'm almost never sick and it always just works out. Yeah. Great. That's good to, to hear that you haven't had any problems with that in the yeah. past. And of course, there's like I my friends are also home birth midwives, or like we know each other, we help each other. If there's a need for somebody to be replaced, then we yeah. help each other. Like a backup option. Yes. Yeah. Great. So you mentioned you bring a pool. <laughs> what else do you bring with you to the birth? And perhaps families are interested to know also the medical equipment and this kind of thing. Like, what are you? What do you bring with you? Well, I basically bring the hospital labor room in a bag with like the, the most simple things. If there's need for IV medicine, I can give that. If there's need of catheter, if there's no, if the woman cannot pee, I can do that. So I have this like basic medical equipment with me. If the baby needs help with the breathing after birth, I have this this bag of air to to help help with the breathing. And of course, added to that, I do have also essential oils and massage oil, and I have washa and I have tens machine and that kind of stuff yeah. too. Yeah, like non-medical pain relief yeah. methods, for example. Like, like doula stuff. Doula stuff. <laughs> That's a good summary. Doula stuff. You have the midwife stuff and the doula stuff. Yes, and I have to say, I mostly only use doula stuff and very little the the medical stuff. Yeah. Basically, only like to measure the baby and yeah that's it do you have with you ox- like a oxytocin um yes yeah also for for induction no. only for placenta um, only if there's hemorrhage after the birth yeah yes yeah okay so if there is a hemorrhage you can manage that at home yes yes i carry But, med- yeah i carry medicine for the hemorrhage and also if there's if there's need for stitches i have like anesthesia for that yeah Yeah, so you can do the stitches at home, yes. With, with, yeah, if they are, I suppose not too, not too terrible. Yes, <laughs> not yes. like I don't know how many degrees, degree of a tear. Yeah, it's, if it's very complicated, then it's yeah, for sure. For sure, and also just to clarify, obviously that an epidural would require a hospital. If you would want to have any form of stronger pain relief methods, then then that's a reason for it, for a transfer. <laughs> to the hospital. Yes. You mentioned that some people do want to transfer for that reason, but is that kind of common? Or perhaps if you are home and if you are in your cozy space and in the water and you just kind of manage it. And with uh, the mind preparation people are doing. Yeah, I would say that it, it like once in a while it, the the birthing person says afterwards, like, okay, it came to my mind, like, hey, now I would take the epidural. But thinking about 
like getting to the hospital, getting to the car, getting to the hospital, getting the epidural. No, I'm not going for it. <laughs> going for it. So, so yes, it's very rare that somebody really goes for the medication mm -hmm. to the hospital. But mm -hmm. usually it is, or almost always it is associated with long labor and just yeah. getting tired and needing yeah. rest. Yeah. Do you have any techniques that you work with, like maybe spinning babies that focus on the baby's position because I feel like this is a really interesting topic that doesn't get talked about enough and we will have a specific episode about spinning babies but the idea that you can do so much to prepare your mind and body for birth and relaxation techniques and feeling safe and all of this beautiful stuff and then if the baby is kind of like stuck in the wrong quote position it can really make labor really long and in the end cause a, a transfer so Are there cases where you notice, okay, this might be a position thing, and then can you do you find that you can help that, or can you speak about this a bit? Yeah, and I feel that is that is one aspect of the art of the midwifery to know when to interfere and when not. So that's that's basically what I do in births. I feel is this normal? Is this still normal, or is there something strange going on? So I do not go immediately like okay now we do this and this and that like I, I remember when I started to be did work it was more active and more doing and now I'm more witnessing and really carefully feeling okay is is there a need for any any of my interference because it is always it if it affects the labor so yes uh, sometimes it feels like Yeah, or even the the mother says like okay it feels strange it feels like it's stuck it doesn't it doesn't move like there's something wrong so especially in those situations where it's from the mother we we check position and yes in, when I was in Mexico we were using lots of rebozo so like using that different kind of positions like from spinning babies and now just a few years ago I I I somehow got this one moment that I'm really excited about. <laughs> I've been sharing it to other people. I haven't found that anybody else would have had used it the same way. So my friends, they joke that it's like Malva's maneuver. <laughs> but, but I really Copyrighted. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. But it really helps if the baby is OP and, and you want to help. Explain what that is. Um, so sometimes when the when the because the babies need to turn during the labor so that they can be born sometimes they turn in a way that they're facing the pubic bone and they get stuck there and it's, it's usually the the pain is more more on the back and it's is that like labor. back labor yeah yeah and that's op oh yeah occiput posterior okay because the baby should be facing the sacrum that that would be like the normal Or ideal, maybe. Yeah, yeah. ideal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, normal is <laughs> very... <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so to help, to help the baby to move to easier, better position, having, putting, positioning, <laughs> laboring women in this, like, head, like lying head down position. Mm. We have been using ironing board, uh, leaning to sofa. It, it, it is quite a challenge <laughs> to get them there especially during neighbors but it's really like very good position like I, I can really recommend it so first I put them lying on their um, right side for 10 minutes then on their backs 10 minutes and on the ironing board yes that is head, head that down. Is, 
That is on the sofa. Yes, so they're lying head down. Oh, interesting. Um, like tilted. So, so on the, the side. Pelvis, yeah, the pelvis is higher. So first on the right side, 10 minutes, on the left, uh, on the back, 10 minutes, and then on the left side, 10 minutes to help the baby to rotate. And the idea is that when they're head down, the pelvis is higher than the head, then the baby's head gets out from the pelvis. And when they're doing these, that uh, they're moving their position, the baby can also turn there. And actually, like, I would say most women with whom I have done this, they fall asleep there, even during labor. And very often I have had this, that they get out of there, their waters break and they start pushing. And before that, it, it, it was this like, oh, things are stuck. <laughs> Where's the baby? <laughs> so are not moving. now I'm thinking I need an ironing board. <laughs> In your no, for my <laughs> next home birth. Yes. So if you are planning a home birth, make sure you have an ironing board at home. <laughs> yeah, but but I only use this when it's really like okay, things are stuck. It's, it's it could stuck. happen. Yeah, it's good to be prepared. <laughs> that's a great, uh, good to know. I think that's such an important skill for midwives to have the spinning babies. Yeah. It's a really unique, again, something that's quite unique out there in the world of, of childbirth. I think and. She puts such a tully, mm-hmm. a gale tully, uh, such a beautiful um, emphasis on this, which is so needed and doesn't get spoken about that much. Like we talk about dilation and, and uh, effacement and all of these things, but the baby's position gets somehow forgotten. So that's, that's really important. Yeah, and related to that, I always recommend my clients to see an osteopath mm-hmm. during pregnancy, hopefully several times. Yeah. So to also prevent the, the difficult positions of the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Great. A few more questions. Do you work together with another midwife that joins you at the end of labor? Because when the baby comes, then, of course, we need attention on the mother still and attention on the baby. So how do you do that at the at labors? Um, yes, mostly I work with another midwife. Sometimes, rarely, I also go to birds alone. But that's only, like, rare cases. So usually, yes, we work as pairs and there is not so many midwives around here. So we're all friends together and we all love to work together. So we don't have any like specific pairs that you choose, but you can choose any 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 homebird midwives you like. And it really depends on the case, but usually I meet the clients like twice before the birth and we meet like that there's the whole team together. So the midwives are also there, and if there's a doula coming, also a doula is there, so that there is the, yeah, the connection is created, the relationship is created there. The birthing team, I love it. I remember also when I was preparing, like, feeling being surrounded by this this team that I have chosen, that I love, and that I want there. It's so great as a birthing person, and as a professional, it's also amazing because you feel like. Together you can support the client. Yes. And also as a postpartum doula, that, that's usually the work I'm doing, is beautiful to even also work with the birth doula and, and the midwife together to yes. be like this this team for the for that family. Yeah. Yeah. And do you attend the whole birth together or would this extra midwife join only towards the end? It really depends. Yeah. Some clients they want that there is primary midwife with whom they're more in contact and some for some it's like the midwives are equal. Okay. So, so you are yeah. flexible. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you have to be in this job. Yes. 
Um, and now the question which we have to speak about, uh, unfortunately, home birth is a private cost mm-hmm. in Finland still. Uh, not yet subsidized by, by the state, not yet part of the public healthcare system. We hope to that will change soon. But tell us a bit about what are the costs of this kind of service and if you offer payment plans as well. Yeah. So, yes, we are private <laughs> private midwives who provide home birth. So all of, our, all of us have slightly different pricing. Um, mine is that I don't have any like specific package, but whatever the family wants, they will get, like I said, I'm very flexible. <laughs> so, but usually there are two, at least two meetings beforehand. Um, then I'm on call for for a month, basically from 38 pregnant like from 38 pregnancy weeks till 42. That's what I plan in my calendar. And then I attend the birth, and then I stay. That can be that I arrive 24 hours before the baby is born, or 30 minutes before the baby is born. That really varies. And then I stay for three or four hours afterwards, and then I come to have the checkups after the birth, so that the breastfeeding is. He's starting well and the, the mother is feeling good. So there's one or two visits after the birth. And then we usually have this kind of like closing closing meeting with the whole birth team around one month, two months after the birth to discuss about the experience and kind of like close. And and that package is around um, 1,500. It depends if you're a first time mother or, or if it's some other birth. And of course, they can, some, some want to have pregnancy checkups with the midwives, so then it's, the costs are higher because there is more meetings, or some want to have like this um, Mexican closing ceremony, or maybe they want placenta encapsulation, so like they can add to the package whatever they need. Yeah. And with the payment plans, I'm super flexible. I have plenty of clients who are single moms or just like not having that much income. So some of them do like they start to pay after the birth when they start to get the lapsilisa, the support from the government. They mm. might pay 100 or 150 a month. Mm-hmm. And that's fine for me. Mm-hmm. Great. You mentioned about a payment that if it's a first time mom or second time, that affects yeah. the price? Yeah. yeah, it's slightly higher for the first time moms okay. because I, I'm expecting to stay okay. um, longer at the labor and also there's more needs. Um, during the pregnancy and also after the okay birth. good thanks for clarifying because I was like why would there be a price difference for that but it makes sense now that you explained yeah. okay and would the ex- the second midwife be included in that or is that an extra cost no that's that totally depends who you um, yeah who you choose what is their price and for, for you it would be you would have to pay the second midwife separately yeah, yeah. okay okay so and usually they have something similar, like yeah. as a second midwife? Yeah, from 1,000 to 2,000. Okay. 2, okay. Between that. So together people are looking at around a 3,000 yeah. to 3,500 euro yeah. cost for a home birth here in Finland. Yeah. Okay. Um, good to know. <laughs> mm, and there's a question here I want to touch on briefly about the support of the partner. Mm. So if we have a birthing person who is interested in a home birth, but the partner is maybe hesitating and worried, like, have you had cases like this and how would you support families in that space? Yeah, it's very often. <laughs> it's very often that I hear this hesitation. And like I said in the beginning, I totally understand that because I was in the same space. And usually it helps 
to get more information, to talk with the midwife. And sometimes I might even suggest, like, do you want to give have a call with somebody who has had home birth, like another partner? Because it's so often that there's first this hesitation, then they kind of like, okay, maybe I'm warming up. Okay, let's do it. And then afterwards, it's like, okay, the only thing I regret that this is, we didn't do this with our first child <laughs> or with our previous births. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's how it follows. I haven't had yet or I haven't heard about partner yet who would have regretted it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Even if there was some kind of transfer. Yeah, even even there was a transfer. Yeah. I haven't heard that. Yeah. So you can offer potential clients to speak to past clients yeah. to share experiences together and just have a chat about what it was like to birth with you. Yes. yes. That's very valuable. Yeah. Great. And if people are interested to have a private midwife but don't want to be in their home for whatever reason, I mean, some people don't like their home is maybe not suitable or there is renovations exactly at the time of the birth, which I've heard about. It's like, oh, no, I would love to give birth at home, but I can't imagine, you know, risking having renovation construction work around my building. Is there an alternative here in Finland that is not home or hospital? Well, basically, like I said, you can give birth anywhere you want. There has been, I have been assisting in Airbnb births and in yurt births. And <laughs> like you can go to your cottage if it's close to hospital or your mother's place or wherever you feel comfortable. Yeah, and in, in addition to these, there are also private services like Sunnutusili and Sunnutuskota, which are both in Vanda, where you can just rent the space give birth and somebody else will clean and take care of the space for you yeah i will give the links to this in the show notes of our episode so the listeners can very easily access and find out about these two places which is great because for a long time i thought that there were no birth centers here which it isn't really a birth center but it's nice to see that these things are popping up and are available for people that it's a little bit Another option, again, another another choice for you to have, which is great. Yeah. If people want to get to know you, um, do you have one-on-one sessions for families to just meet you and, and discuss, or can people call you? And, yeah, how, how do you do that? How do you get to know families? Well, I, like, I haven't had the time to advertise them, but I haven't really had the need also. I'm, I'm well booked. But you can you can reach me... Through my website, um, you can send me email or even like call me. There's my number. So yes, I also on my website there's a list of services that I provide. Some people already reach me when they're planning pregnancy if they wish support for that or during pregnancy. It doesn't even have to be a home birth. Like I'm a midwife, so any any anything you think that the midwife could be helpful at, so just reach out. So yes, most most people just reach out through my website and then we have a call to to feel okay how is the match and then then they book me for for a home visit and then then we can start to plan for home birth together yeah yeah right and there's you mentioned email and phone number yeah that's basically the the better way to get in touch with you yes i'm very lazy at instagram so please don't send me messages through instagram (laughs) got that we won't link your instagram But you mentioned something interesting. People can reach out to you and and get services also if they're not planning to give a birth at home with you. Yes. What kind of things have you supported in that case? 
Well, for example, today I'm going to do a Mexican closing ceremony, which is this tradition that they have in Central America. It's around seven weeks, six, seven weeks after birth. There is this pampering of the of the fresh mother with a bath and massage and, and closing with these rebozo scarves. It's very beautiful and very nourishing. So that's, for example, something I do. I also sometimes do these placenta encapsulations. Some people book me to just have a... Yeah, kind of like this preparation meeting for birth, get some ideas for the partner, how to support at birth. Um, yeah, like I said, even planning pregnancy, support there. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah that's kind. great because I think it can feel like maybe the midwives in the hospital are kind of unreachable. Yeah. And there's huge waiting lines maybe to get to see somebody in the fear polyclinic and to go and see the hospital and to just have a chat with somebody mm. who supports birth that it's good to know well it is at a private cost obviously but it's good to know that that you are here and you're willing to interact and you are offering that as well yeah that's actually what i totally forgot to say because i, I told that i'm studying psychotherapy and my interest is a lot towards um fears related to birth and also traumatic births so so i have people reaching out if they want to discuss about their previous experiences or if there's still something that is undigested and they need support in that yeah so that's that that is really one of my passions to support also in that good field. yeah that's needed <laughs> that's really needed good is there anything you want to add before we close off today I, I just really enjoy this. It's it's amazing that after 30 years, I still have this like passion towards this field. Um, and it's Good. it was beautiful to tap into this. Like, yes, there's just such a beauty when I when I um, can witness the empowerment of women and also. Also, these babies being born in this peaceful, safe environment where there's no hassle. It's. It's just such a gift. Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah, I find that also sometimes when I'm talking about it, I get reignited and I'm like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> it's a nice opportunity to, to tap into our passion and, and to share that with, with the world and with the listeners. So I'm very grateful that you're here and that you're literally in my house. <laughs> the first recording I'm doing face-to-face, -face, it was really lovely. Thank you for taking the time to come and be here. And yeah, we will link everything and people are very much encouraged to, to get in touch with you. And thank you for what you do here in Finland. So that was my conversation with Ria Malva, a home birth midwife here in Finland. I am so grateful to Ria for generously sharing her knowledge and answering all my questions about home birth in Finland. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and that you'll join me here again next week. Are you still interested in getting to know more people that haven't been on the podcast yet? You can visit my website motherstransition.com and download my free Helsinki resources guide to be introduced to even more service providers that can support you on your journey. Thank you for tuning in to the Birthing in Finland podcast. To get the show notes for this episode, go to doulacollective.fi forward slash birthing in Finland. 
If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and share this with someone who you think needs to hear it. A friend, a colleague, a neighbor. Help us get the word out so that more families can start enjoying these conversations. See you next time when I introduce you to another amazing person supporting families just like yours. Thank you.